Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hi. We are back on the road this week. We are up at Bear Lake, Idaho, where I was born and raised. And now we have some little places where the kids come and gather every summer. And we are happy to be back home on the road. So, Linda, when I say, let's play word association for a minute. When I say this word, you tell me what comes to mind. Summertime. Warm. Actually, (laughs) warm comes first because we've had such a cold spring. Um, It's going to be so great to have some warmth, although we are up at Bear Lake and it's cold today. Let's try it again. Just see if anything different. Summertime. Kids. (laughs) Kids home. Reunions. Reunions. Picnics. Yeah. Kids out of school. What to do with them. Yeah, a lot of things going on in the summertime. I love summertime. I know a lot of parents will disagree with this, but I used to count the days. I used to start counting about the 1st of April. A lot of parents hate How many more days do we have to send our kids off to school and I can't have them? And um, then, see, I think you're opposite in that way. I think, well, I, I, well it's I across the that. board. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of parents are like, "Oh my gosh, they're going to be out of, they're going to be out of school. What will I do with them? What will I? How will I take care of them? How will I? You know, it's just going to be so much harder." I know, but boy, I I absolutely love it, and I know. By the end of the summer, you know, maybe we're counting the days till they get to go back. But uh, in the meantime, I love having the flexibility. I don't like schedules. I have dear friends who love schedules, and this is so upsetting to them that there's not a schedule anymore in the summer. But they figure out schedules, and there's camps, and there's all kinds of things that kids do. But you know, I one love of summer. one of the I just want to throw this in. Then I got another question for you. But one one of the best summaries of how to have a great summer with kids is on our daughter Saren's website, powerofmoms.com. If you go to powerofmoms.com, there's some, there's some wonderful ideas for summer activities, summer teaching, yeah, summer doing your own summer camp with your kids, your own, your own summer, camp. summer camp with your kids and, and having the kids do summer camp for the neighborhood kids. There's so many great ideas. But Here's a question for you, Linda. I think how summer times have changed when I, well, let me start it this way. A lot of times in our speaking, especially when we're talking about the entitlement trap, we start off by asking parents, how many of you had jobs outside the home? How many of you had summer jobs when you were growing up? Almost everyone raises their hand. Literally some audiences of several hundred, every person raises their hand. Well, what did you do? Oh, I mowed lawns. Well, I, I worked for a contractor. Well, I did painting. Well, I did this. I did that. Sold pizza. Yeah, and then and then we say, okay, how many of your kids have that kind of jobs today? How many? How many? How many of your kids have summer jobs? No hands. Well, you didn't say summer jobs though. We were talking about school. Well, both. But I think a lot of people have kids with summer jobs. A lot of them still don't. I think it used to be. In fact, I heard a report on NPR the other day that uh, the what happens every time the employment rate. Um, dips, the unemployment rate goes goes up. Then you know when there's a bit of a recession or whatever. Then when there's a recovery, everyone comes back into the labor force except teenagers who who just don't who just decide not to work after that because they find other things to do. And I'm wondering, um, you know, it used to be uh, when I was a boy, everyone would say in the spring of the year, "What are you going to do this summer? What what job are you going to have?" 
And uh, I, I worked for a painter one summer. I worked for a contractor one summer. I worked for a landscaping guy one summer. I worked for a little motel one summer. I worked at the A&W one summer. And I was a car hop, and I was making tips and everything. And then I got really good at that, so they made me be a cook. And I was sweltering, <laughs> no air conditioning, sweltering behind there. It was crazy. And then they raised my salary to 55 cents an hour. Oh, 55 cents an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're really showing how, how showing old we are. How old? But I don't see that with kids today. It's not about what are, where, where are you going to work this summer. It's about what camps are you going to, what uh, what uh, you know, teams are you going to play on, what lessons are you going to take. Now, I'm not criticizing that. I mean, you think about it, how much kids learn from working, but you also think how much they learn from doing other kinds of things. This NPR report I was listening to was saying that uh, a lot of a lot of upwardly mobile families have decided we, we can't afford. You know, the, the amount of money a kid would make in the summer would wouldn't make a dent in his college expenses, which are so high. It's better that the kid go get some experience to put on his resume on his application so that he can get into good colleges. The whole mentality is changing as far as what you do in the summertime. But my question is, how do you live in this changing world and have your kids take advantage of all these other things they want to do in the summer, yet still teach them some of that powerful lesson of working and earning money and saving money and feeling the independence of having earned some money yourself? Right. And for little kids, that's really hard. Um, but, uh, we, we kind of figured out a way to have kids, um, set their own goals and pay them a little bit for accomplishing goals in the summer. It's a whole different deal at our house as far as money, but you know, our kids, we were really mean parents. We made our kids buy their own school clothes and stuff. So they had to figure out a way to earn some money. And uh, it really was a pretty interesting thing. Well, a lot of our kids do this now. I think if, if our kids were here and some of our grandkids and you said summertime and did word association with them, a lot of them would say summer deals, summer deals. And what would they mean by that, Linda? Boy, we have sat the kids down at the first of the summer and said, okay, let's make a deal. You make the deal. You set your goals. You set your goals. You tell us what you want to do. And then we will both decide how much you're going to get for that. Now, now some of you listeners are like, oh, no, no, oh, false yeah. motivation, false motivation. We tried to set it up very carefully. And we know parents who do this today even better than we did back in the day. But it's the idea of saying, look, if you have some goals for this summer, and we'll give you some ideas on how to structure those goals as far as what categories they should be in. But they say to their kids, if you have some goals this summer, Let's say you have a school goal. Let's say you have a goal to read a certain number of books. You know, the main reason you're doing that is because you're going to expand your mind and you're going to prepare yourself for the next year of school and so on. That's by far the most important reason. But you have set an aggressive goal, and I want you to spend time meeting this goal. And that goal may keep you from earning money in some other ways. So as a, as a little bonus, if you complete that goal, if you get – all the way to those 30 books that you're planning to read this summer or whatever, there'll be a little bonus for you and you set it up and there's an amount there. You don't want it to be the, the, the only motivation or the prime motivation for kids accomplishing their goals, but you want it to be a bonus of appreciation, especially you made me think of this, Linda, if you tie it 
to something else. What we used to do and what many of our kids and a lot of other people we know now do is they say, you know, you're going to put this money that you earn through these bonuses by reaching your goals into a school fund for buying your back to school wardrobe. And so then you can go and choose your own clothes and they're going to be yours. You're going to buy them with the money that you've earned from these bonuses. And again, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to think of a way to have kids be motivated to work hard, to set goals, to check off those goals, to have a plan to reach those goals and to have a reward at the end and then have the added independence of buying a lot of their own stuff to go back to school. Right. And I, I think, uh, it, this is mostly for younger kids who are under 16 who can't really can't get summer jobs or or who just are so involved with music or sports or so on that they don't that they can't do a job. Um, it really is important to have it come from them. It's their goals. It's what they want to do. I do have to say, though. So, by the way, I just want to underscore that it's so easy to slip into where you're setting <clears throat> the goals for them. You're saying, come on, honey, let's set a goal. Don't you think, uh, you know, you should read 30 books this summer or whatever? I mean, the minute you come up with the goal rather than the kid, it's not going to mean as much. You might show the child your goals for the summer or an older brother and sister's goals. What What do you think you would want to do this summer in order to really be ready for school next year? Yeah, and I think you you have a unique way of teaching kids how to do goals and the difference between goals and plans. That's really important. And all of our kids, man, if you ask them, they could peel this off in a hurry. But I think you need to explain that a little bit because they get so mixed up with, well, this is uh, this is my goal. And then it actually is just a plan. Well, a classic example would be um, a, a girl. Let's say you've got a daughter who's playing the piano and you say, what's your what's your goal for the summer? Um, on the piano. Well, um, I want, I'm, I'm going to practice a half an hour every day. Well, that's great, honey, but that's actually not a goal. That's a plan. A goal is a destination. A goal is getting to an end point where you say, I now did. I'm now at the point I got to the level where I said I would get. And then the plan is how do you get there? And I remember this ha- actually happened with one of our daughters and she said, well, let's see then. Okay. The goal is going to be to get to level whatever it was, seven on the piano or whatever her instruction manual was. And my plan to get to that level is I'm going to practice a half an hour every day. And there's something that clicks in a kid's mind when he sees the goal is the destination and the plan is what I'm going to do to get there. We have a tennis court where we go in the summer. And so a lot of our kids would set a tennis goal for the summer. And again, they would start out with a plan. Well, what's your goal for tennis? Well, I want to I want to practice for uh, uh, an hour every day. Well, that's a plan. What's the goal? Well, let's see. And I remember one of them thought about it and thought about it and said, I want to be able to, to rally 20 balls in a row with you, Dad, without a miss. 20 in a row. That's what I want to get to. Right, right then she could probably have done maybe three or four. Okay, okay, that's your goal. Now, what's your plan? Well, I'm going to hit the ball off of the backboard for a half an hour each day, and I'm going to practice with my brother, and they'd set up these little plans. And that sort of very elementary thinking about I'm going to reach this level, and my plan to do it is such and such. 
that's a that's a powerful thing for kids to learn, and summer's a great time for them to learn that kind of thing. It really is, and of course, you have to tailor this to what it is that your kids are doing. Um, when you say uh, practice a half an hour every day for people who are doing Suzuki or for people that, that are advanced. That would be way too music, low, right. It would be way too low. Um, but, you know, start with their passions. What are they passionate about? I know sometimes we have to push as parents to get them to do things we know that are good for them and so on. But what a trick when it's their goal instead of yours. Right. Absolutely. It's just it's crucial. We we have to let them know that this is their goal for the summer. So they had these little goal charts and they had maybe. 10 or 15 things that they wanted to do by the end of the summer. And check them off. Have little check marks or have little circles that they color in when they reach a certain level and so on. So it's very visual. Yeah, because it's, it's so important to keep that on their minds and then watch and see if they can take off. I know some kids are harder to motivate than others because we have some of all kinds. <laughs> That's why this little cash bonus, it can be a great motivator. Now, let, let me just suggest a kind of a simple category thing. If you, uh, there's a lot of different categories you could use, but a pretty simple one is maybe, maybe have a physical goal for the summer, a mental goal, a social goal, an emotional goal, and maybe a spiritual goal. Now think what the, some of those goals might be for kids of different ages physical goal might be a, a tennis goal or a baseball goal or a, a running goal or a swimming goal or whatever. Uh, a mental one might be to read a certain number of books or to prepare for a certain class they're going to take next year to, to read part of the textbook or whatever. A social goal might be to make three new friends, whatever. I mean, you, you're, you can think of these as well as I can, but again, don't you think of them throw out some examples and some categories and let the kids come up with their own goals. You be their consultant, not their manager. And so actually that is a really pretty well-balanced way to do it. If you do those five facets and we've talked about five facets before of the kids, but for them to think about what am I going to do physically, socially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually this summer and, and make specific goals, it really makes a huge difference. Let's take a little break, Linda, and when we come back, let's shift gears. Let's go to the fun part of summertime. I mean, this can all be fun, but let's let's talk a little about travel and about getting out and seeing new things and getting away from the computer and getting out in the outdoors. So take a brief, brief break, and we'll be right back on Ayers on the Road. And we're back. We are talking today about summer, about kids being around and home and things that are going on um, in your house. I know some of you just finished school last Friday. Some have been out for a couple of weeks. This is according to our kids who are smeared all across the world. But And the ones in England are still going until Ju the 1st of July. Okay, so word association again, Linda. Summertime. Wow, fun. <laughs> fun. Lots How about, of fun. I thought music had come. Summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, summer. <laughs> How, what else? Summertime. And no, the no, no, please. Is okay, easy. let's go on. Let's go on. Um, you know, there's just so many fun things. Better that summer. you should sing than me. <laughs> True. One of them is um, travel. I mean, seeing things, whether it's your own backyard or somewhere else. I mean, I know Richard's got something to say about. Well, kids don't get out Blue enough. Rose. Kids don't get out enough. You know, I mean, you think about one of the biggest problems today is kids who want to spend their free time in front of a screen, a big screen or a little screen, a, 
a, a computer game or whatever, virtual, virtual reality. How about real reality? We've got one of our daughters right now is in Europe with their family. That sounds extravagant, but they had frequent flyer miles. We got another of our kids yeah, well, here wait in a minute, Hawaii wait with their family. They're getting out. They're getting out and seeing things. Well, they're, they they're are experiencing. And, and Some you, of their teenagers didn't want to go, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> but they did. But they did, and they're having a great time. We have to stop at the one in England for now. I mean, they saved for a long time for this. I mean, they budgeted for it and they, you know, figured out how they could get miles and get there and Airbnbs and five kids. And so they had, uh, we have a daughter who already lives in England, but she only has one bedroom, but not enough room for them. So they had an Airbnb and then they have, we have a dear friend, a dear friend who, um, took care of them for a couple of days and to live right where they were going. And, um, but they were in an estate the one hour before they're supposed to leave for Paris. And this is the way this goes in the summer. <laughs> they have a 14-year-old daughter, beautiful, tall, runner daughter. And she was just climbing trees. And these kids, they climb you know, they trees. See a tree, they, they have go, to they, climb they see a tree. tree. They have to climb the tree. So usually it's the, the 12-year-old two. twins. Yeah, the twins. Uh, they can climb anything. Honestly, she got, gets up on the top of this huge tree and falls face first. Down through the tree, breaks off a branch that stops her call, fall a little bit, but bashes on the ground with both of her hands and breaks both of her wrists. Uh, actually, Which, by the way, it's our second grandchild who's broken both wrists at the same time. Well, but no, here, one here the other one was just these, arms. Well, you know. same thing. Two casts on, trying to go around. So you say, wow, that's not a good thing. But, you know, I'm so proud of these kids because it's like, well, that'll make a memory. Think about this memory, you know, two broken yeah. wrists on our trip to England. So they had to stay an extra couple of days. She had to have surgery, put pins in her arms. And, you know, it is a great memory. But part of the memory is how expensive that yeah, is. That's, that's <laughs> After they budgeted true. all this, isn't this life? Um, but they had a huge hospital bill. They wanted $6,500 before they stepped out of the hospital. I don't know what happened to that, but anyway. Well, um, let me just say, whenever you travel with family, there's two things that you're, are absolutely predictable. One is unpredictability right. and that you'll have things you never thought would happen and it won't go smoothly. And there'll be a lot of unexpected moments. And, and the, and the key on that one is have a serendipity attitude, have an attitude that will yeah, we've got a plan, but but it's going to change. Things are going to happen, and that's good because that's adventure, and what we want is adventure. If everything went exactly according to plan, it would be boring. So that that's the first thing that that is predictable. The second thing is your kids are going to learn a ton, and I don't care if you're flying to Europe or if you're driving. I did want to mention what we did uh, many years ago when we had all the kids. In fact, I'll say it, and you you explain it, Linda. We did something, and we wrote this in our, in our newspaper article in Deseret News this week. It's why it's on my mind. But the Blue Roads of Utah, what in the world are the Blue Roads? Well, the Blue Roads are the roads on the map that are blue, and nobody looks at maps anymore, so <laughs> no, that doesn't mean anything. It just occurred to me. Um, those were the, you know, not the main roads, it's just those GPS. back roads, those back roads. And with the GPS, now you can get anywhere. We had maps out all summer. It was hilarious trying to figure out where we were. But those of you that can remember road maps, you know, the red roads or the freeways. And, you know, the multi-lane roads and the blue roads are the little country roads, the little roads, the two-lane roads. And I, I was gearing up to run for governor. This is back in the 90s. 
all our kids were at home and we decided, actually I did it kind of rashly while I was in a, giving a speech and I said, you know, uh, this is before we'd even decided to run. I said, if, if we do, if I run for governor, I pledge to you, I'm going to visit every single town in the state of Utah. Little did I know that there were over 350 towns. <laughs> that's counting everything, believe me. That's counting Sagebrush Junction or whatever. That's counting a town that has yeah. four people yeah. in it. But we'd made the promise, so we rented a motorhome. It was a crazy <laughs> summer. Actually, we we did rent a motorhome, and we just, every weekend, we went, in fact, we were calling Doug Wright on the radio every single day to tell him where we were and what we were doing. It was it was really fun. KSL Radio. We had a show, a daily show called The Blue Roads of Utah. And and think, imagine this in your mind because this is before cell phones. So we would have to pull into a town. We'd have to find someone. I mean, our whole goal was to find interesting characters, you know, and to see the town. Well, to get a pie at the local pie place or to, or to look at some site that was in that town and to find someone and get friendly enough with them that we could borrow their phone in order to do the radio show. <laughs> Those were crazy. So we'd always start off by saying, well, we're with Jim Hoggett today on his little farm here in, in Pioa, and we are going to. Uh... <laughs> Actually, the funniest thing was that we also had the dog. We had the dog with oh, us. Oh, we did summer. have the dog. And Nine after kids a while, and a dog. And after a while. Big motorhome. You know, I think maybe Saren had already gone to school. No, but she'd be home Actually, the, the motorhome wasn't that big. Yeah, it wasn't that big. No, <laughs> it wasn't nearly as big as my sister's motorhome, which we should have borrowed. But anyway, um, it I, the kids just kept feeding the dog. She just kept getting fatter and fatter. And I said, you guys, somebody has got to do, one person has got to feed the dog. Quit all of you quit feeding this dog. Just one person feed the dog. So one day we went back in the shower and there was the dog with seven puppies. This little shower in the back, back of the motorhome. This little little dog. One dog had become eight dogs. I remember where that happened, Linda. That was in Loa, Utah. Yeah. We were off the side of the road in a little park, a little trailer park, and uh you went in and I heard you shriek. And I went in there, and there were those puppies, <laughs> which made the, the trip was already interesting. That made it way more yeah, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, Linda, that was some summer, that traveling on the Blue Roads. I guess the, the message, the reason we're bringing it up is that, you know, the kids, um, they can set goals wherever they are. They know they had a social goal to meet someone new in every town, and they got really good at going up to people and saying, hi, we're traveling around seeing all the towns in Utah. Tell us about your town. And, you know, they learn so, so much. And I think any time you get kids out of their comfort zone, and travel is probably the most common and most predictable way to do that, they start learning on a different level than they would if they were at home in their same environment doing the same thing. Okay, so Richard, I'm going to pop your bubble here a little bit. Okay. Because when we grew up, did we ever go anywhere? Oh, yeah. I never went Oh, you anywhere. went on road trips? No, 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 no. We went to Yellowstone once. Really? Went, I thought yes. your dad drove no, you no, around. No, no, no. And we went places. to Salt Lake. We went to Logan, which was, you know, a few miles away, an hour and a half away. But um, I just stayed in my backyard, and I just practiced my whole life. I mean, practiced the violin and violin and piano. Well, that's why I had to get out there. That's for sure. It was crazy. Um, so you know, I'm saying, you know, you remember what uh, Thoreau discovered at Walden Pond? 
Yes, I do. Um, that sometimes the world is, is a wonderful place, but sometimes you can discover the best parts of the world right in your own backyard. Well, actually, the, the quote was, I kind of disagree with Thoreau on this. He said, a man who travels is a fool because the whole world exists right in his own backyard. Well, maybe you're not observant enough. Maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe well, you didn't see that. Maybe I didn't see like he did at Walden Park. But there are, are, there are alternatives. And there are some people that really can't afford to travel with their kids. You know, I mean, it, it, you can budget. Well, but let me push so back a little on that. I mean, we know people who camp, for example. How much does it cost? I, I had a guy tell me the other day he spent less money on his little family vacation than if he'd stayed home because they were just out driving around. They spent some on gas. But they didn't. They stayed. They camped, you know, and the kids weren't begging for things all the time. I'm not sure. I'm not sure financial considerations ever really stop someone from getting out during the summer. And uh, I mean, I just keep going back to that Blue Roads. I, I think if you were to ask our kids what was the best summer you ever had, they would probably say that that Blue Roads when we traveled every town in Utah. Now, you, if you also said to them. What was the hardest summer you ever had? They'd probably say the same one. Right. Well, we had a lot of crazy hard experiences. We we built a log cabin once in Oregon. Remember that? Um, we took the kids and we had uh, we skinned the logs and built this cabin. It was an absolutely crazy experience. But we you had a job where you you know we as long as we had pencil and paper, we could write we our could books. write our books and do the things we needed to do. And everybody can't do that. But I do have to just close by saying that I had an idyllic childhood. I can't imagine a more wonderful childhood. Getting on my bike well, and just going anywhere I wanted. We had a farm. We had a barn. We had lots of great things that we could enjoy. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to enjoy summer. But I think that's an interesting point, Linda. I think one goal that parents should have with kids in the summer is to get them out of their comfort zone, which means going to a place they're not used to. That What that would mean is if you live in a city, you probably travel in the countryside. You probably go to the rural right, area. Right. You probably go to the mountains, the forest, the ocean. On the other hand, if you live in a rural community like you did, a big trip for you would be to go to the to the city to actually, you know, get in a different I place. And I know Salt Lake was so amazing. For so me amazing. Such there. a big city. But we, we just hope this gives you some food for thought for summer. Do something exciting with your kids, but most of all, get them doing things that are their goals for the summer and yeah. it'll make a big Relish difference. the summer. Relish it. Enjoy it. And have your kids learn how to work and how to set goals and how to plan and get them out of their comfort zone. And so we wish you the very best on that challenge and we'll see you next time on Iris on the Road.